In this episode of the Bear Performance Podcast, becoming a learning machine never ends, doesn't stop. It's always ongoing. It's evolving. It might look different from decade to decade, year to year, but at, the, at, the, at its core, at, the, at its instrumental foundational core, the same principles. Welcome back to another powerful episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Nick Bear founder and CEO of Bear Performance Nutrition. Every week, we bring you insightful stories, knowledge, and inspiration to help you reach your full potential in life, fitness, and business. If you enjoy the message we're promoting in this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review on the platform you are listening to. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes that embody the Go One More mindset. All right, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today is a solo one. It is just me, your host, Nick Bear, founder and CEO of Bear Performance Nutrition. And what's crazy is we are coming up on a decade in business, 10 years, 2022. Started the company in 2012, and these past 10 years have literally flown by. And today I made a YouTube video live that we've been working on the past couple of days. And it's titled what I learned in my twenties that led to success in my thirties. And if you haven't watched that YouTube video yet, go to my personal YouTube channel, give the video a watch. And it shows the power of these past 10 years and some of the things that have gone into it. And what I attribute is some of the instrumental foundational core decisions that I made, opportunities I seized during this past decade to get to where we are today. And go watch that YouTube video. It's it's a really good one and it really paints a picture. But I hope that 10 years from now, when I am 42, I look back and I realized the things I did in my 30s set me up for success in my 40s. And I hope when I'm 51 and 52, that I look back at my 40s and the same thing, you know, every 10 years, I want to be looking back every year. I want to be looking back and realizing what went into that past year. And for, for me, 2021 was one of those years where I learned a lot. I learned a lot of what I was doing right, but I also learned more about what I was doing wrong in terms of business, leadership, being a husband, soon to be father. That's growth. You know, growth is a choice and I say it all the time and I I truly believe it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to pinpoint some of the things being experiences and opportunities that I went through over the past 10 years that I believe have been pivotal. And there are some really strong learning lessons that I know you guys can apply to your life. doesn't matter where you are. You don't have to be in your 20s. You don't have to be in your 30s. You don't have to be in your 40s. You can be 50 years old listening to this and still implement these things and see the payoff. And, and see the, the result, the reward. 
Before we dive any deeper into that, I want to talk to you about why we started Bear Performance Nutrition and how our products can help you improve your health and performance. In 2012, while I was studying nutrition in college, I was tired of searching for supplements that would meet my standards of quality and effectiveness. So after months of ordering ingredients in bulk and making products for myself, I decided to scale the operation and work with manufacturing teams to offer these formulas to you. And since then, BPN has evolved and our product line has grown. We offer the most effective supplements that can help you improve your workouts, optimize your recovery, and supply essential superfood nutrients so you can operate at your full potential. Our products are tested for banned substances and certified by Informed Sport, so you have peace of mind that they're not contaminated with harmful ingredients. Head over to bpnsups.com to take your health and performance to the next level. The thing is that not everyone's path is the same. And you might not be able to replicate my path because the thing is you shouldn't. Everyone's path, everyone's life is unique for a reason. And one of the things I've been, I've been thinking about a lot recently is wherever you end up at the end of your life, wherever that is, it is because of the sum of choices you made over the years previously leading up to that moment. So when I'm on my deathbed, hopefully it's years away from now, but who knows? It could be next year. But when I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to look back at where I'm at, wherever I'm at in, in that point of life. And I'm going to realize and recognize that I'm there because of choices I made. It is a sum of choices, good choices, bad choices, wins and losses, successes and failures. All of those add up to get to you to a certain point. Sometimes along that journey, you're going to take a step or two back and that's okay. That's going to happen. I've had many of those moments. It's like an investment. If you think of it in terms of a long-term investment, like I invest money every single month. Some months I don't perform that well and maybe we lose money. Maybe we lose a lot of money, but in the long term, hopefully I have an eight to 10% return on my investment. That's the goal, right? It's over the long term. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad months. You're going to have bad years. You might have a bad couple of years. But in the long term, we look at the long term. Did we move forward? Did we make positive, progressive results? So it's, it's the clear definition of, of an investment. And recently I've been looking at, at where we're at in terms of business. And it's so different from when I first started. And I think about that because I know that the content we create, we put out there. Some people that watch it can't necessarily relate. And here's the reason being, when I first got started, it was 2012. I was 22 years old. I was in college. And if I looked at a, a, a business that had employees, had a headquarters, had inventory, had systems and infrastructure, I would say, man, I hope I'm there one day, but the problems they're going through, I'm not going through right now. I need to find someone who's going through the same problems as me. I can't relate to them. 
And I get it. I do. But we all have to go through that mud to get to the other side. And the reason I was thinking about it this past week is we hired two new team members in the past two weeks. Well, three new team members in the past two weeks. Um, two of those are working on, on content specifically. So we have Jeremy, who is my personal media director, and then Ryan, who is the audio engineer, primarily producing the podcast, this podcast I'm talking on right now. And the reason I was thinking about that was when I first got started, I couldn't afford to hire people. I couldn't even pay myself. I didn't pay myself for the first five years of business. But eventually the goal is to get to that point. I couldn't afford employees in the beginning. I couldn't afford anything in the beginning. I couldn't afford any of my own expenses. I couldn't, I couldn't pay for a gallon of milk for myself. Every dollar was going into this business to get it to a certain point. But eventually you dig out of that. That's progress. That's why I love business. That's why I'm so passionate about it. And my journey to that point was very similar to a lot of other people's. And I'm going to tell these lessons in a story. And we'll, and we'll get to this, the, the lessons that I learned that I applied to my 20s. But I think it really starts in college. Because in college, that's when BPN was founded. That's when the idea came to, came to life. You know, a lot of us have these passions. I would say almost everyone has a passion or a dream or this ambition that they want to accomplish and chase down. But most people don't act on those passions. Maybe it is because of missed opportunities or it can't be a priority in their life at the moment. Maybe they have to work multiple other jobs or they have kids they have to support and a family they have to support and anything else going on in life. Everyone has something going on at all times, right? Everyone has different situations. But for me, college was this pivotal point where I decided to act on this passion because I was able to. I was willing and able to. But getting to college was, you know, it was interesting. Growing up, I was never, I was never the smartest. I was never a stud. I was never a stud athlete or a student. I believe I truly just blended in. And I talk about it all the time, but in high school, I was not the, the, the athletic varsity athlete that you were going to see on the front of the newspaper. That was my brother. That was my brother, Preston. We would walk around uh, our hometown of Palmyra, Pennsylvania, and people would, would stop me and they would say, hey, are you the football player's brother? So yeah. Preston's my brother. Preston was in the newspaper all the time. He was a stud athlete. And then in high school, I had a bunch of friends who were just really, really smart, like top of our class. We didn't have a huge class. I graduated with about 220 students. But there were students in my class going Ivy League. Someone went to Harvard. People were getting crazy scores on their SATs and ACTs. And my mom was sending me to, to prep classes at night after school, so I get my SAT scores up, so I get into a college that I wanted to. And when I was in high school, and I was watching my cousin Matt, he was in the army, and he was going to and from multiple combat deployments. He was in the infantry, 
He uh, he was with the 101st Airborne Division. And the reason I ended up wanting to join the military, one, I was inspired by my uncle, who was a lieutenant colonel in the Army. He was an officer. My grandfather, he was an Air Force veteran in the Korean War. And my cousin, Matt, I was watching him actively deploy to Iraq and Afghanistan when it was very kinetic. There was a lot of fighting, a lot of kinetic fighting going on at the times. And I saw the way Matt changed and developed and turned into a man, like transformed from a boy to a man. And I saw that and I said, I want that experience. I want that transformation for myself. And at the time, my uncle said, hey, there's this thing called Army ROTC. You go to college, you go through the Army ROTC program, you commission as an officer, and then when you join the military, you have leadership opportunities as a second lieutenant. And I thought, man, this sounds like a great opportunity. Go to college, join the military, get the experience. I learned from other amazing, great leaders. And then he told me about this scholarship. It was an Army ROTC scholarship. And this scholarship paid for 100% tuition, room and board, pay for your books. I mean, it was, it was the greatest thing since sliced bread that I, I heard at that moment. And at the time, it wasn't very competitive. And my uncle told me, hey, if you apply for this, you'll, you'll, pretty, much, you'll pretty much get it. Like I said, my grades weren't crazy good. My SAT scores weren't anything amazing. I had to go to a, a prep after school class just to improve them. I was in good shape, but I wasn't this stud athlete. And I applied for this Army ROTC scholarship and I got it. And I was absolutely surprised. And with this scholarship, you get your school paid for. You get money for room and board. You get money for, for books. As you know, as college students, your books are super expensive. So I didn't have to pay for school. And then there was a military obligation afterwards, but I already wanted to join the military. So it was a win-win for me. And I had to do a minimum of four-year active duty contract after graduating and commissioning. So I got this scholarship. And then I had to apply for schools. So the way that the, the process worked is first you applied for the scholarship, you got the scholarship, and then you could apply it to any school that had an Army ROTC program that you got into that school. So I applied for all these schools. My mom took me on this little road trip. We went to uh, Penn State, went to some schools in Virginia, South Carolina, College of Charleston was on my list. And I, I, I loved these schools. And I said, I want to go south. I want to go to South Carolina. And my number one was College of Charleston and then South Carolina University and then Penn State. And there was a list. And I applied to all these schools and I got denied by all of them. Didn't get accepted. My grades weren't good enough. So going to South Carolina and some of these crazy, amazing schools, uh, was off the list. So my kind of backup plan was that I was going to apply to IUP, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And this was one of those schools that I knew if, if you apply, you're going to get in. Like I don't, I didn't know anyone that didn't get into IUP and they had a really good army ROTC program. And I could apply my scholarship there. So I got into IUP. It was in Western Pennsylvania. It was about three and a half hours from my hometown of Palmyra, Pennsylvania. I went to school to study nutrition. 
And the first two to three years of college, I was your typical college student. I partied. I enjoyed myself. I ate crap foods. I worked out a lot. I was obsessed with, you know, bodybuilding and lifting weights and training. I was in the army ROTC program. So we were running, but I was still like just trying to find out where, where I was going in life. Like what, what was my path? I had this opportunity I was doing okay in school. I was excelling in the army ROTC program. I had a solid group of people around me, but I was still just exploring. You know, I was just living the college life. And towards the end of my, I'd say junior year, I got tired of it. And a lot of people around me didn't. And they kept living that life. And for me, it was just, I had enough of this. Like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my time like with, with all of the things I'm doing with my time outside of college and, and class and ROTC and training. And then there was this opportunity. And this opportunity was called the pre-commissioning loan. So the Military Associated Bank, USAA, they presented this pre-commissioning loan to contracted military, Army ROTC, military contracted cadets. And you can get up to $25,000. And I've told this story many times before, but it never gets old for me. Because I remember seeing this as an opportunity. And a lot of my friends, a lot of my peers, they were taking this loan out and they were going on vacations or getting engagement rings or getting new cars. And I said, this is my golden ticket. This is my opportunity. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to run with it. And the best part about this loan, I mean, it was super low interest rate. You didn't have to start making payments for 18 months after getting it. It was a way for USAA to set up military cadets before they started their military career. But I saw this as, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a business. Because at the time, I was mixing up my own ingredients. So I was studying nutrition in college. I loved the bodybuilding space. I loved the supplement space. I was in my college apartment, like buying ingredients in bulk and mixing them up. And then using them for myself and, then, and selling them to friends. I looked like a drug dealer in college. I was the, the, the drug dealer of pre-workout and, and creatine and amino acids and uh, all, all legal, all legal. I will say that. And I said, I'm going to do something with this. I'm going to turn this into a business. And I pitched this idea to my professor of military science and I got approved. He trusted me to, uh, to turn this thing into a business. And I received the funding of $20,000. I didn't get approved for the whole $25,000, but I got $20,000. And from there, it was almost like this, this switch flipped in my mind. And that was, I mean, my end of junior year of college, senior year of college, that was the beginning of the rest of my life. Because if I look at my years of life before that, I was trying to figure out who I was, what I was supposed to do. Where, where, where are these passions that are in my head? How do, I, how do I solidify them into something? How do I fulfill this thing that is floating around this space in my brain? And when I saw the opportunity, which was a $20,000 loan, because at the time in my life, I had nothing to my name. 
nothing. I mean, I remember days in college having $30 left in my bank account and I was on a pre-workout and I couldn't order more ingredients in bulk because it cost more than $30. And none of my roommates or any of my friends had any money. And I would go down to the local Walgreens, which was like two blocks from my apartment, which was on Philadelphia Street in, in Indiana, Pennsylvania. And I'd spend that last $30 on pre-workout. Even if I could only get a, a mini serving container, I would get pre-workout because I loved the experience of pre-workout supplements so much. I would even overdraft my bank account at times just to get pre-workout. I've always loved pre-workout. And this at my, at this point in my life, I saw the opportunity. And while there were so many people around me paralyzed by this analysis of decisions, for some reason in me, I was ignorant to the risks that I was taking. And I will forever be grateful of that ignorance because if I wasn't ignorant to the risks that I was taking, I don't know if I would have ever taken that first step. And part of me was just so passionate and so in love with this idea, this concept of, of building and creating. You know, I've always, my entire life, loved building and creating things. When I was younger, I created my, my own lawn care business where I couldn't even drive yet, but I'm pushing my lawnmower to different houses in my neighborhood and, and streets in town. And then I got really into building things and I would ask for power tools for Christmas and I would do dumpster diving in the neighborhood behind us that was being built up to, to build tree houses and forts and bird houses and rafts, like all this stuff. I would just build and I loved putting things together. I've always loved working with my hands, which is a hard part in, in being a CEO and in a business because you have to step back and let other people take action and you facilitate and oversee. And for someone who loves creating with their hands and being in the weeds of it, that was hard in the beginning. And that's the first thing I did in my 20s that has led me to success in my 30s. I bet on myself. And I realized pretty early on that if I wanted something, I was really going to have to work for it. I knew that. And I watched people around me who, peers and friends, who they played the system. And they were okay with that. And that, that's okay. I mean, everyone, not everyone wants to face resistance and challenge and obstacle head on. A lot of people want to avoid that. And that's okay. There is a, there's a type of person who likes to face obstacles head on and enjoys it. And I'm that type of person. And I saw people that was surrounded by people that played the system. Show up, do the minimum requirements, get promoted, move to the next level, never work too hard, but just do enough. Do enough to get by. Be a little complacent. And for me, I just didn't settle well. I just didn't want that. And I learned that, you know, looking back, I didn't realize it growing up, but I learned that from my grandparents, from my mom, from my dad, from my uncle, from my cousin, Matt, and his military experience. Whenever he got promoted, he earned it. 
Whenever he got an award, he earned that shit. He worked for it. My uncle, the same way. He did a lot of great things in, in the military as an infantry officer because he earned it. Not because he just showed up and did the bare minimum. My grandfathers, both of them. My mom's side of the family, Air Force veteran. I learned woodworking from him. I learned how to be an active role in the community from him. And then my, my dad's dad, my other grandfather, Grandpa Bear, he was a dairy farmer. The whole bear side of the family are dairy farmers. Just some of the hardest working people you will ever come in contact with. There is no eight to five. It is a 24-7, 365 thing as a farmer. And I respect every single farmer out there because I know after watching my grandfather and, and relatives, how hard that, that industry is. And it's very dependent on your crop yields, the weather factors you can't necessarily control or enforce. And it's tough. And I watched my mom as we were growing up, leaving work and then driving an hour to, to get her master's degree. You know, being a mother of two, working a full-time job. My dad coaching us in sports and being another active role in the community and, and working countless hours on the weekends, after work, after he put us down at night. I mean, I, I learned this stuff by watching. My parents, my grandparents, my, my relatives, my family, they never had to tell me how to do certain things. I just observed and I watched and I learned from them. And that was powerful. And I knew from watching them what it, what it looked like, what it felt like in the results of betting on yourself. There's a lot of things in life you can't control. A lot. And it's really easy to play victim to that. I didn't get this because this person screwed me or this didn't work out in my favor or the whatever politicians did this to my, my industry. You can, you can blame everyone but yourself. And a lot of people will, a lot of people will blame time, money, energy, resources on, on just about anything but themselves. But what happens when you stop pointing that finger at someone or someone else and you point it back at yourself and you own everything you do or don't do? Like I said, at the end of this life, when I look back at the decisions I made, that put me in the seat I am currently sitting on before I die. It all comes down to me. I am pointing that finger on myself. I can't blame anyone or anything else for the position and seat I'm in because it is a sum of the decisions I made. Good, bad, successes, failures, wins, losses. That finger is pointing right at me. And you got to own it. And what better way to own it than to bet the house on yourself? And that's what I did. I was 22 years old. Took on a $20,000 loan. And I said, I'm going to build this. And the position I was in at that time was bootstrapped. But I didn't know anything else. There's, there's multiple different ways to start a business. And some of those I wish I knew back then that I know now. But for me, the only option was bootstrapping it. And it probably was my only option. I took on a $20,000 loan. That's all the money I had. It's all the money I had to order inventory, to hire people to help me 
market the brand, build a website, do the labels. After that, there was nothing left. And if I knew then what I know now that it takes to start a business, I'll be honest, I don't know if, what I, w- if I would have ever got started. Because I, I know now that $20,000 is not a lot to start a product-based business. I mean, some companies that are venture capitalist, VC funded, are starting with $5 million to spend on product, advertising, marketing. That would have been nice. And a lot of people will say $20,000 is not enough to start a business. And I would probably agree with them. I really would. And that's probably why it took me so long to get it off the ground. But I'll tell you what, what I learned through that process can't be bought. It can't be hired. Those are lifetime rewards. That is building this, building yourself into this Swiss army pocket knife of tools and assets that no one can take from you. I bootstrapped the business because one, I didn't have a choice. No one was going to fund me. No one was going to give me money other than that pre-commissioning loan. I was just a kid with no experience studying nutrition in college who loved bodybuilding and had a passion for building and creating. And if no one else was going to believe on me or believe in me and no one else was going to bet on me, well, shit, I'll do it. I'll bet on myself and I'll believe in myself. So like I said, that last year of college, that was the beginning of the rest of my life. That was my early 20s. That was before joining the military. But something in my mind during that year just, just transformed, just pivoted a little bit where I stopped caring about the things I previously cared about those first couple years of college. And to be honest, I started focusing less on some of the classes I was in. And I was pretty strategic with it where I knew what I needed to do to graduate college. I really didn't care at that point in acing a lot of my classes, but I knew what my core classes were. They were all the science classes. So I prioritized and eliminated, and I talk about it a lot, but I've been doing a a series of prioritizing and eliminating since that last year of college where I took inventory of what was important and what needed to be done to just graduate. And I knew I needed certain grades in these core science classes to get my degree in nutrition. But then a lot of my extra elective classes, I could really do more poorly in and still graduate. Like, anthropology, art history, uh, some of these just random classes that you had to take in order to meet minimum hours or points towards a degree. So what I did is I spent my time that I needed on these science courses, the core classes of a nutrition degree, and the other ones I kind of just let fizzle out. I just, I just did the I just did what I needed to do to pass those courses. So I prioritized what I needed and I minimized or eliminated what I didn't. And then those classes were important. The Army ROTC program was very important. 
working out and training was important and learning how to build my business was important. So I started to become very conscious of my time that last year of, of college because I knew it was limited and I had a lot that I wanted to do. I stopped going out. I, I, I stopped socializing with friends really that last year and I started pulling away. And I guess you could say I started isolating myself a little bit. And on the weekends, a lot of time I was going home because that's where a lot of our inventory was being shipped to. And I was all in. I was all in on this business. And what kind of scared me is what I knew I had a year to get this business to a certain point before graduating college, shipping down to Fort Benning, Georgia to go to the infantry officer basic leader course, iBullock, Ranger School, Airborne School, and Bradley Leader Course. And then from there, I would go to my duty station, which ended up being Fort Hood, Texas. And I told my dad, you know what, dad? I have a year to build this business. I'm going to make a million dollars this year. And he said, no, you're not. If it was that easy, everyone would do it. So I'll prove you wrong. And I didn't prove him wrong. I did $20,000 in revenue that first year at a loss because I had to pretty much give away inventory and products just to keep some money in the bank account because that 18 months of starting to make payments for that pre-commissioning loan were starting to get a little shorter and diminish a little bit. So I was prepping for what was real life. And one of the questions I get is, well, how did you get people to help you at that point? You know, when you believe in something so much and other people can sense and feel that too, they sometimes want to be a part of it. People believe in other people who believe. And you can't fake belief. You can't fake passion. And I had some friends who saw how much passion I had behind BPN, this project, early on, before anyone else was buying it, before there were no sales coming in. And I had a few friends that joined my team of, which at that point was just one, it was me, but I had some friends that joined to help. And I told them, Hey, if you help me get the business to a certain point, I swear we're in it together. I'll take care of you. Like we'll grow this thing, but we can't take money out of the business right now. And I had a few friends during those first couple of years agree Pretty quickly, they realized they weren't getting any money. This business wasn't growing. They were out. So a lot in the beginning, a lot of my graphic design work was done by friends for free. Website work was done by friends for free. Photography was done by friends for free. And I told them, and I, I meant it. I really meant it. If you just stick this out with me, I swear, we'll, we'll build something together. You'll be with me till the end. And no one stuck around. Everyone gave up. But I kept betting on myself. And that's the thing. Keep betting on yourself. Go all in on yourself. But one thing to be conscious of and remember is that when you bet on yourself and you go all in on yourself, there's a possibility of a huge reward. But with a huge reward also comes a massive risk. And you have to be willing and able to swallow the consequences of that risk if that reward doesn't work. And what put me in a really good position at that time in my life is I had nothing to my name. I had nothing to lose. I had no money. 
I had no like family in terms of a wife or kids. I had very little responsibility or obligations. I had nothing to lose. Why not go all in was my philosophy. I didn't have much to risk. But the thing is, now that we're larger, we have employees, we have team members, there is more to lose. So the more we, we go after that next win or that reward now, the risk and consequences are much larger. And you feel that as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a leader, you feel the consequences of those risks a lot more. And sometimes those risks keep you up at night and hang on your shoulders, but you have to be willing and able to accept the risk you're taking for the reward you want to chase. And you set, the goals you set will come with consequences. But in the beginning of my 20s, I bet on myself and it was the best thing that I've ever done. Now, the second thing that I did in my 20s that led me to success in my 30s is I became a learning machine. And I told this story in the YouTube video that I love. And I'll, I'll never forget it. There are certain points in my life and a lot of those moments are between the years of 2013 and 2017. Those are the years I was in the military. Those are the years I moved from Western Pennsylvania to Fort Benning, Georgia, to Fort Hood, Texas. And it was a lot of new beginnings. It was a lot of change and challenge and a lot of stories that came along with those. There's a lot of growth in those years as well. Those four, those four short years was packed with growth. And the story goes that I just arrived at Fort Benning, or excuse me, Fort Hood, Texas, as an infantry platoon leader, and I was assigned to 1st Platoon, Bravo Company, 212 Cav, 1st Armored, uh, Armored Brigade Combat Team, and 1st Cavalry Division. And as a platoon leader, I showed up, and I was working the job for a few weeks at this point, and I identified this problem. Looking back, I don't remember what the problem was, but I identified this problem in our company, our, our military company, Bravo Company. So I go to Captain Sorrells, who's my company commander at the time, his office, and I stand at the position of attention, and I, I say, sir, I've identified this issue, this problem in Bravo Company. And he responded with, and it was a very just chill, turn his, his chair around and look at me. And he said, all right, what are the courses of action that you have identified as the solutions to this problem? And instantly I thought, oh shit, I fucked up. I didn't identify any solutions to this problem. And I told him, I said, sir, I don't have any solutions to this problem. I'm just bringing you the problem so that you can solve it. And he said, don't bring me problems unless you can offer multiple courses of action as a solution. And I'll never forget that because one of my biggest pet peeves now is when people bring me problems without solutions, possible solutions. Are you going to be a problem identifier or a problem solver? And that's what Captain Sorrells taught me that day. And I will never forget that for the rest of my life. 
And what that taught me to do was become a learning machine. And up until this point in my life, I know that everything I do, I mean, already, this is, this is 24 years old. I know that everything I do in a lifetime comes down to the choices I make. I am responsible for where I end up. Only me. I've, I've, I've believed that and understood the power of that, the weight of that for, for a long time. And I'm fortunate to have learned that early on. And I knew that I had to learn a lot of things to get to where I wanted to be. And just recognizing that is not the, it's not the end all be all. You first have to identify, okay, I have some weaknesses that I need to solve and, and fix. But then you have to actually go do. I would talk to mentors, being at the time, people in the military with experience, platoon sergeants, squad leaders, team leaders. I mean, my, my squad leaders, some of them had multiple deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan and 10 plus years in the United States Army. Lots of experience that I could learn from. I would read books, listen to podcasts. In terms of business, I would study other businesses. I would do whatever it took to do the jobs required to move to that next step. And that step is growth. Growth is a choice. I woke up every day deciding I'm going to do what I have to do to grow. And for me, that was learn at least one new thing. So there's these opportunities in my life that have presented themselves. And we all have these opportunities. That is the truth. And there's opportunity cost that comes along with that. So for example, if we, we open a new position at BPN and one of our competitors also opens up the same position and you are someone who can fill that position, if you come work for BPN, well, that's the opportunity cost of not taking the other job and working there. Or if you take the job at the competitor of BPN, that is an opportunity cost where now you're not working at BPN. There are opportunity costs to your decisions. And I, I've seen these opportunities present themselves in my life. And when I see the right opportunity, I take it and I seize it. And one of the opportunities in my life at this point was a nine-month rotation in South Korea. And I saw this as an opportunity because what was happening was we were going to South Korea to fulfill a mission. But with this mission came some benefits in terms of downtime and eliminated distractions. We were in South Korea doing essentially the same job we were doing at Fort Hood. We had a presence in South Korea with our allies of the South Korean army. And what it provided me was not a 30 minute drive to and from work, little distractions. We weren't going into Austin on the weekends. We were on a small military base in South Korea, Camp Casey, South Korea. And I saw this as an opportunity to learn a lot in my free time. So every day, as soon as work was over, I was working 
towards learning at least one new thing to grow BPN. I didn't watch any movies, no TV shows, was never into video games, rarely hung out with any of my peers and other lieutenants. In my free time, while everyone else was playing intramural sports, playing video games, going out and drinking, whatever they wanted to do, I was listening to books, podcasts. I was teaching myself code so I could code our website. I was learning Photoshop and Illustrator so I could design our new labels. I was writing handwritten thank you notes to everyone who placed an order and I was shipping it from South Korea back to the States. I wanted to learn one new thing each day so that by the time I left South Korea, BPN was in a different spot, financially and branding-wise. And that happened. And I look back at those nine months in South Korea, and I only really had two responsibilities. Priority was my job as an infantry platoon leader. But as soon as that workday was over, or before that workday started, all my time was going to BPN. Nothing else in my life mattered at that moment. I mean, even communicating with family back in the States, because there was about a 14-hour time difference, that was even hard. So I was able to bet more chips on myself. I could bet all the chips, all the chips that I didn't have back in the States. I could bet all those chips on myself when I was in South Korea. I became a learning machine. And to this day, I still do that. I talk about the analogy of a Swiss army pocket knife or a utility knife. Early on as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, no matter what you want to do, you better be willing to improve and increase your skill set. If I was a Swiss army pocket knife, I want to have every tool possible. I want to fill that knife so it's packed, it's jam-packed. That Swiss army pocket knife that normally weighs a pound, maybe, I wanted to weigh 20 pounds because it's so packed with different tools and resources. Again, it's taking that finger that is often pointed at someone or something else saying, I wish I could have or would have. And it's turning it back on yourself. I'm turning it back on me saying, I'm in control. I am responsible. Where am I taking these opportunities that present themselves? And how do I turn them into something great? And you know what? A lot of times when you take these opportunities, you fail. And it sucks. I mean, I think I've talked more about my failures in my 20s than a lot of my successes. My, my 20s were full, full, every single year, jammed, packed with losses and failures. I wasted hundreds of hours working on things that didn't turn into anything or hours spent ending up in a dead end having to start all over again. I wasted tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars testing, trying new things, experimenting, seeing what works and what doesn't. Energy, resources, time. I, I did it all and I... I I lost every single year something, but it never knocked me down. It was just a little speed bump. It was just an obstacle. 
the thing with choosing growth is that what happens when you actually choose growth, it's not like this, this golden ticket, this green light ticket that, you know, when you're at like a, a Brazilian steakhouse and you have the red ticket in one hand, you have the green ticket in one, the other hand. And when you want more meat, you put the green ticket up. And when you're done, you put the red ticket up. That's not what choosing growth is like. Choosing growth is saying you put the green light up and then someone comes over to you and you don't know if you're getting the meat or if you're getting slapped in the face. And nine times out of 10, you're probably getting slapped in the face and falling to the ground saying, well, shit, I called for the wrong person. That's the best way to put what choosing growth feels and looks like. It is choosing in reality, obstacles, hardships, failures, lessons, hills and headwinds. And the only way to get through it is not to slow down. It's not to stop. It's to lean into it to get to the other side. I became a learning machine. That is the second thing I did in my 20s that has led me to success in my 30s. Now, the third thing that I did was, and I've talked about it so far up until this point, I joined the army. I mean, for me, the, the army was an instrumental core decision that I knew. I mean, I knew even when I was in high school, the impact and power it was going to have because I watched what it did for my, my cousin, my uncle, my grandfather. I saw the benefit. I saw the power of it. And what's funny is when I decided to join the military and go infantry, so many people advised strongly against it. They said that if you go infantry, there are no applicable skills to the civilian sector. And for a second, I believed that stuff. I thought, well, well, crap, what should I do then? And everyone told me something different. But I went infantry, became an infantry officer. And I never regret that one day in my life. I learned so much about myself, leading other people, leadership skills, techniques, theories, and practices. I, I, I strongly was able to distinguish between the theory of leadership and actual leadership. I learned that from really good leaders and from really bad leaders. I also had the opportunity to do some really cool stuff. And one of those things, just like an entrepreneurship, are things that aren't sexy. When you talk about the cool opportunities you could do in the military, like ranger school or airborne school and jumping out of airplanes or repelling off of helicopters, that's cool stuff. Shooting guns, going to the range, throwing hand grenades, doing live fire ranges. I mean, that's fun. That's exhilarating. That's got some, like your, your blood's pumping. And then I remember I got assigned to be the unit movement officer. The UMO. And this was one of those positions that if you got assigned that, it's like, oh, dude, I am sorry. I am sorry you are the UMO. And what the unit movement officer does is they are in charge of handling all the logistics of the move for an organization. 
So for me, because I was at the company level, I was in Bravo company and I was the platoon leader of first platoon. We were the misfits. My commander assigned me to be the unit movement officer, the UMO. So I was in charge when we were going to South Korea of spending hundreds of hours on this computer, building these documents out of everything we were taking. Like every single piece of equipment we were taking and being accounted for and its weight and packing it and making sure it gets from Fort Hood, Texas to Camp Casey, South Korea. And I was in charge of that. And I learned so much in that position. I will say in retrospect, it sucked as much as I anticipated it would, but I learned so much about logistical planning, being the UMO, the unit movement officer, and that experience and that opportunity. And now I'm grateful for it. For the time, I wasn't. So one of the things I learned from that experience was to say yes to opportunities to learn. And there will be many times when you have to say no in life. And we'll get to that. It's also one of the things I learned in my 20s. So be careful to what you say yes to. But when you say yes to an opportunity and experience where you will learn and grow and develop, it's never a bad choice. It is never a bad choice. But there's a time and place to say no. And another thing that the Army taught me that when you're in, I mean, sometimes you don't realize what you're, you're learning or experiencing. And it might take days, weeks, months, even years later to really understand what you learn from an experience and how that's impacted other parts of your life. And one of the things that the experience of being in the military taught me was the power of being able to hold a standard. And hold a standard, set and hold a standard for yourself and the people around you, but a standard that is larger, more difficult to uphold, and with more responsibility than what is normal, bare minimum, or accepted by mass society. You see, there are society standards, which in my honest opinion are, are pretty low in terms of Ethics, morals, performance, manners. There are society standards. How hard you should work. What you should sit down to achieve. And most people will go and, and meet the bare minimum required standard. And there have to be people out there that do that. It's the, it's the honest truth. But for me, what the military taught me was I need to raise the bar for myself and the people around me. And you do that by setting a standard for your organization, for your family, for your team, for yourself. And I, I learned the power of, I set a standard for myself, for my team, for BPN, for my family. And I will never dip below that standard or let the people around me dip below that standard as well. And that standard is way above what is recognized as normal or acceptable by mass society. But if you set that standard high and you hold the people around you accountable, that is powerful. And I saw that in the military. I saw that in the army, especially in the infantry. And I learned a lot from 
my platoon sergeants, squad leaders, team leaders, commanders, about what it looks like and feels like to set a standard and to hold it. Set a standard for yourself and for the people around you. But setting that standard is only part of the equation. Setting it isn't necessarily the hard part. What's hard is upholding and maintaining accountability of that standard. Now, the fourth thing that I did in my 20s that led to success in my 30s was applying the go one more mindset. Go one more is, is, it's so much more than one more rep in the gym, one more hour on a run, one more day of, of working on your business, one more hour spent on a project that your boss is holding you to. It's so much more than that. Go one more is wrapped around the quote that was recently said by Jeff Cunningham, who's my marathon coach. It's more important to be consistently good than occasionally great. And where Go One More was born and stemmed from was one day in 2018, I was training for one of my first marathons. At that point, my endurance was nothing like it is now and, and running was not enjoyable by any means. And on my marathon training program that day, I had an 18 mile run to do. And I got to mile 10 and I remember, I remember this like it was yesterday. I was running on Ladybird Lake Loop, downtown Austin, and I was on the boardwalk portion and it was, it was a crappy day. It was overcast. It was kind of cold. It was drizzling. I got to mile 10 and I said, I don't feel like finishing this run today. Like, I, I really just don't want to do it. And I stopped for a second, took a little breather. And I thought to myself, what are you doing, Nick? Like, what the hell are you doing? Finish this run. So I ran and I kept running. I ended up running 19 miles that day. I went one more than I was supposed to. And I came back from that run. And at the time, my wife and I, who's my, my fiance then, we were living downtown about half mile from the trail. It's an amazing place to live. The energy in just downtown Austin is, is it's beautiful. And I got back to the house and I took my hat off and it was this, this green and tan bear performance trucker hat. And on the bill of the hat, I wrote one more. I went one more mile that day. And I kept saying that the whole run. And I took a picture and I posted it on social media. I posted it on Instagram, not thinking anything of it, but the response was captivating. And I received messages from dozens of other people that took pictures of their hat where they wrote one more under the bill, just like I did. And I, I realized I struck a chord in many people's minds as well as myself. And over the next couple of months and years, that one more that was written on the bill of my hat evolved into go one more which is now the BPN and my personal tagline. It wasn't something that was just, hey, what, what should our tagline be? Oh, let's do go one more. That's cool. No, this has power. This has meaning. This has story. This has application. 
I've been applying this to my life forever. It only came to these three words in 2018, 2019, 2012, when I started BPN and my mindset shifted and I said, I'm done with this college life of partying and going out and not focusing on anything that's, that's worth of growth. It's not intentional. It's not strategic. There's no purpose behind it. I flipped that switch. And when the day I started working on BPN, that's when Go On More started. It only came to, to life, to existence in 2018, 2019. It's being and showing up as consistently good day in, day out. On days that you want to and days that you don't want to. On days that are hard, days that are easy. Days where you're happy and days that you're sad. It's showing up and executing to the standard you set for yourself. Not society's standards, your internal standards. The ones that you set and now you're accountable to hold and uphold. That's what consistently good is. It's not occasionally great. Occasionally great to show you and tell you what that looks like. That's when you don't meet your standard six out of seven days a week. And then one day a week you show up and you execute and you blow it out of the water. But that day just smokes you because you just go all out so hard. And then the other six days you slack off, you don't meet the standard. And then you show up maybe on a Monday and you excel. That's a lot of people. A lot of people, six days a week, they are just existing and they're, they're well below the standards they set for themselves, if they even have standards for themselves. That's the thing. Most people never set standards for themselves. They just go through like they're, they're existing. And one day a week, which is typically Monday, because they feel so shitty about themselves on a Sunday after eating crap and junk and not training and working out or doing anything that's, that's worth of self-improvement, on Monday they show up. And they think, oh shit, I got to get it together now. And Monday, they are occasionally great. They wake up early, they train, they go to work, they excel at their job, they come home, they make dinner, they take care of their family, they read a book, they listen to a podcast, and they're psyched. And on Tuesday morning, they're so exhausted from Monday, they don't do any of it. And it's like that until Sunday. And by Sunday, they feel like junk, and they repeat the cycle over and over again. That's occasionally great. If, you, if you're lucky enough to do it once a week or even once a month, maybe it's just January 1st. It's once a year for like a week and then you're done for the remaining year until January 1st of the next year. Consistently good is every single day showing up and doing what you know you have to do, even though sometimes it sucks, even though there's obstacles, even though there's hardships, even though you're, you're putting the green light up, asking for more meat at the Brazilian steakhouse, and that waiter comes over and punches you across the cheek and you fall to the ground and you say, I'm coming back tomorrow. I'm showing up. I'm coming back tomorrow. And the waiter says, why? Why do you keep coming back? Because I'm punching you across the face. Because I want to reach levels of success. And this is what it feels like. And that's the best way to put it. That is go one more. That is a fourth Thing that I embraced in my 20s 
that had dramatic results. Now, the fifth thing that I did was I saved and invested money. And I didn't really understand the importance and value of this when I was in my early 20s. Now that I'm in my early 30s, I understand the value and importance of this. My early 20s, I say that I didn't understand the value and importance because I wasn't educated enough on what saving or investing could or would do for me. Now, I will preface this by saying, I am no financial advisor. I recommend you find a financial advisor or, or someone to help you with finances. That's what I did. I hired a financial advising team and they helped me with all my investments. But there's a difference between saving and investing. You know, like I have a savings account and I have investment accounts. My saving account, I have money in there for short-term use. Maybe we're, we're putting money in there for a vacation we're going on or uh, a part of the house that we're remodeling right now or, or a project or a pool or, hey, maybe we have a baby due in the next five months and we're prepping for that from expenses. So you put money aside to spend for later use, shorter term. Investing is putting your money away somewhere that you're not going to think about for 10, 20, 30 years. And the goal is that money to make you money. You're putting it somewhere where there's a return on your investment. R-O-I. And with uh, investment, there is, like I said, a, a, a reward. But there's also consequences for the risk that come along with it. And when I was in my early 20s, what I did is I joined the military and some of my leadership, my mentors in the military said, hey, you need to start an investment account. You should start a Roth IRA. And I said, roger that, let's do it. So I started a Roth IRA. I started putting some money away at this point in my life. Not much, maybe it was like 50 to 100 bucks a month, just a little bit. Actually, I think I was maxing out my Roth IRA at the time, which is like $5,500 a year, something like that. So whatever that equated to on a monthly basis, I was putting away. I was a single army officer, very little expenses. All my other money was going to BPN at the time. And after investing for a few years, I had this money sitting in this, this account. It didn't have enough time to really make me much money, but it was in this account. And I thought, I'm doing the right thing. Started investing in my early 20s and building this retirement account. And then BPN starts growing. And BPN was growing. What happens when you have a product-based business or a business in general? It costs a lot of money to maintain and build and grow a business. There's a lot of expenses involved, but you need money to make you money. That is the truth. Especially in a product-based business where a lot of times your cash is used to purchase inventory and it's not necessarily liquid. You can't just turn that cash or that inventory into cash and liquidity unless you sell it. And at this time, we weren't selling it fast enough to get our cash or return back. And there were times early on in BPN's years, and when I say early on, I mean like the first five to six years of business, that cash got really, really tight. And it got so tight one time that I had to liquidate my investments that I had and take that money out 
and pump it into BPN to keep the lights on, to keep BPN alive. And I, fortunately and unfortunately, was able to and had to do this twice. So after I did it the first time, I start investing again slowly to build that investment account back up. BPN hit another, another spell where we needed some money and I liquidated my investments once again. Now I tell these stories to say that the goal is to start investing when you're young. The younger you invest, the more money you can make in the long term. But sometimes putting that money aside for a rainy day has a bigger return than retiring in 30 or 40 years. And if I wouldn't have been able to take that money out and put it into BPN at that time, there would be no BPN right now. There would be no bear performance nutrition. There'd be no company. And one of the things that happens when you build a business that I've learned, and especially in the year of 2017, is that it is a first class ticket to knowledge and experience. 2017 was our first year doing seven figures. We did between 1.6 and 1.7 million that year. 2012, 2013, 2014, each year we did 20,000 in revenue. 2015, we started growing. 2016, we were in the six figures mark, which at that point I was like, holy crap, we made it. It was just me and my brother at that point. 2017, we jumped to seven figures, which was great. But with that growth and that fast growth, it also brought a lot of cash flow issues. And we were trying to navigate from a bootstrapped business from two brothers that have no experience in the business space, especially e-commerce or product-based business. I mean, we had mentors, but they were my, my grandfather who was a farmer. And my grandpa didn't have much information on the, on the internet business. And we were just trying to figure it out. And for us, it was liquidating accounts when we had to. And my brother did the same thing at certain points when we needed more money. But it kept the business afloat. So what I did is I saved and invested money early on. Unfortunately, those accounts didn't make too much money because I had to liquidate them to keep the business alive. But now I work with a financial advising team to invest on a monthly basis to set myself up not just myself, my family, and hopefully generations to come, set them up financially for success in the future. And the last thing I want to talk about that I did in my 20s that was really hard, it was really hard to learn, and that was the importance and power of saying no. And I talked about this previously of saying yes to opportunities where you're going to learn. There's a time and place to say yes to certain things or people or opportunities and experiences. You know, there's, there's completely different experiences and each experience is relative to an individual. For example, if someone presented me this opportunity to right now go to Hawaii to go on this scuba diving trip. For me, I would say no, because if I'm prioritizing and eliminating things in my life of importance, going into Hawaii right now and scuba diving is not a priority 
And it's not important enough for me because there's other things in my life going on that I need to prioritize. But you as a listener, maybe that's your lifelong dream. And you've been, you've been just itching to go to Hawaii on a scuba diving trip. And you're at a point in your life also where maybe you're down, you have this depression, anxiety, you went through a breakup, a divorce, and this trip could just bring you back to life. It could, it could change things for you. And you go. There is benefit for you. Maybe you prioritize that. But for me or another person, it's not a priority. So there's a time and place to say yes. But learning how to say no is hard. And in the beginning, I didn't understand this. Some people are just naturally born with this and good at saying no to certain things and certain people, not me. In the beginning, I said yes to almost everything because I'm just at its core or was a people pleaser. And I would say yes, even though it would steal my time, energy, resources, I would say yes to make someone else happy. And what I learned over time is this would diminish my energy. This would diminish my ability to work towards my goals. And it wasn't smart. And when I learned how to say no, which in the beginning feels like a selfish move, like saying no to people, saying no to dinners or vacations or weddings or trips or a coffee just for an hour, Learning how to say no to that, it feels selfish in the beginning, but it's not. You need, if you, if you, I mean, if you are serious about your goals, not just for yourself, but your team and your family, if you're serious about that, you have to say no to certain things. You have to learn to prioritize and eliminate things in your life. And with that responsibility comes the accountability of, of holding yourself to a standard of saying no to what isn't a priority or important at that point in your life. Distinguishing between yes and no, it is hard and it can be fuzzy, but you have to be honest with yourself. And if you're serious about reaching levels of success, and here's the thing I want to I end on about success. Success is not the same for everyone. You have to internally identify what success means for you. Maybe it's financial freedom for you and your family. Maybe it is a certain amount of income you're making. Maybe it is the type of father and husband you are. Maybe it's a certain role you have in your community. You have to identify what success means for you and then do everything to your, your ability and power to accomplish that. And that provides fulfillment. That provides purpose. And I believe, I strongly believe that those things that I did in my 20s, those experiences and opportunities I said yes to and no to, those decisions, the sum of those decisions so far have put me in my seat today. And like I said in the beginning of this episode, the decisions now that I make in my 30s will put me in a position in my 40s. And the same thing for my 40s to my 50s. It doesn't stop. Becoming a learning machine never ends. It doesn't stop. It's always ongoing. It's evolving. It might look different from decade to decade, year to year, 
but at the, at the, at its core, at, the, at its instrumental foundational core, the same principles. Go one more, go one more. So with that being said, that is the episode guys. Thanks for tuning in. Some of the things I did in my twenties that led to success in my thirties. Hopefully you can apply some of these and see the benefit. All right. We'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bear Performance Podcast. Please leave a rating and review on the platform you are listening to if you enjoyed it. It helps us to grow and reach more people with the intent of changing lives through the Go One More mindset. If you are ready to take your health and performance to the next level, head over to bpnsups.com to take the first step. We offer a wide range of effective supplements to help you perform at your highest level, built on quality and proven by results without compromise. 